Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Alex Uplinger, at Alex underscore up seven. And runs the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. NFL Week 2 underway with the 27-24 Kansas City win, but Chargers cover on Thursday night football. And Alex, let's just hope Week 2 is as good as Week 1. We were on fire last week. Great way to start the season. Yeah, we were. That was an awesome start for the pod. A lot of of underdogs came in, so that was good for us. We were looking at those. We talked in length about you know, home dogs, divisional dogs. We we love to see that. We're not seeing nearly as many. Underdog Mike Tomlin week. came through for us. Oh yeah, that's that's the automatic play. I don't know about this week though. Yeah, as an underdog at home, that's that's a little scary. That number is weird. And we do have a few divisional home dogs this week as well, which we'll get to. But let's start uh, and jump right into the week two card. With a game in Charm City that I think is fascinating as the Baltimore Ravens host the Miami Dolphins. Baltimore laying three and a half at DraftKings, total of 44 and a half. And Alex, I think this game's interesting because in week two, obviously, I think it's a big week for a couple different reasons. If you subscribe to the trends of the 0-2 playoff teams starting slow, well, you don't have that in play here as both these teams won their opener. But the other thing about week two that I always find interesting to track 
it's just the kind of overreactions that you can see in the marketplace when it comes to uh, you know week one performances. And I'm not saying that this line is necessarily an overreaction in the marketplace. It feels about right. But I think in general, Miami was a team that coming into the year, there was you know, a lot of intrigue surrounding whether or not you were in or not on Miami was a different story. But they go out and get Tyreek Hill. They bring in a coach from Kyle Shanahan's tree and Mike McDaniel to help fix Tua. And the thinking being, well, there'll be a, a more dynamic offense and they'll figure it out as they go on defense. And certainly defensively last week, they were very good against New England really dominated the game and won by double digits. And so now I think is really where we find out if Miami is legit and, you know, should be taken seriously for the large portion of 2022. Because if you go to Baltimore and win, it's much like a little later on in the season, I think in October last year, we saw Cincinnati go in there and win pretty convincingly. And that kind of put the league on notice. While it would just still be week two, I think that's the kind of statement Miami can make here. I'm just not really sure Miami is up to the task in terms of going into M&T Bank in the home opener for the Ravens, knowing that the Ravens are probably getting J.K. Dobbins back in this game. We saw the Ravens just do what they needed to do last week against the Jets. I think there's better football ahead of Baltimore, uh, and I don't know how much better Miami's going to play most of the year than they did last week. Not to say that they are necessarily going to play worse, but I feel like this is a little bit of a regression spot for the Dolphins. And I think that the Ravens take care of business, you know, get to Tua, make it a long day for him on the road. I think they get out early. And I think the game script is going to be a little bit different for Miami than it was last week against New England. I think Baltimore minus three and a half is a pretty clear side here, and I'll probably play it. I completely agree. I'm all over Baltimore. This might be one of my favorite bets of the week. I've already already bet it once. I'm hoping maybe this ticks down to Ravens minus three. I'm not sure we'll get there, but I think we will see a lot of Dolphins money come in just after that game last week. Although it wasn't that convincing of a win, it felt a little flukier. I feel like they got two relatively lucky touchdowns. If you look at the box score, it was pretty even on paper. And then to win by double digits, it looks way more convincing on the scoreboard than it actually was. I think the Dolphins come in here, maybe a little little fat, dumb, and happy. And you have that the rookie coach making his debut on the road. Baltimore, pretty tough place to play. Really good defense. It's a good point about the rookie coach. Is is Mike McDaniel really about to beat Bill Belichick and John Harbaugh in his first two games? I mean, if he does, that would be, you know, one of the more impressive starts you have to think, right? That's two of the best coaches in the NFL, I would say. That's probably two Hall of Famers, right? I mean, certainly Belichick and Harbaugh may end up there, too. Oh, absolutely. I I would say Harbaugh's definitely in there and I, I think he's got another Super Bowl run in him this might be this might be a year I'm I'm pretty high on the Ravens uh just as a season-long thing and I, I really like, like him in this spot coming back home like you said they got the job done they didn't look great you know maybe Lamar contract thoughts are still looming in week one and and that's obviously a game that 
They were going to win. They were never losing. By the way, it's interesting with the Lamar stuff. They were in a similar contract dispute with Flacco the year they won the Super Bowl. There you go. I like that parallel. Yeah. So could just be how they do business there. But uh, we're in agreement here. It's a little bit of a uh, I agree with the fat and happy part for Miami and, you know, Baltimore just kind of took care of business against the Jets. I feel like there's another level the Ravens can get to, and Miami just kind of uh, steps back a little bit here. Yeah, wasn't wasn't that such a get in get out spot for Baltimore, and they still covered. That's pretty. Yeah, I mean, favorite. I think we talked about them as like maybe one of the one like kind of like public road favorites that you could make a case for just on the basis of the Lamar stuff, maybe being a motivator and. The Jets, obviously, I mean, we'll get to them in a minute here. There's not really any reason to to get behind them uh, in that spot. So I think that you're right. Like, it was kind of just a let's do what we need to do and, uh, you know, get better. And I think like we usually see with John Harbaugh teams, they they get better as the year goes on. And and there they are in Thanksgiving and early December kind of starting to hit their stride. So, you know. And I got to say, what a win for – for survivor pools that was my survivor pick last week i was I'm god just, i'm like, just glad the one that really came through. that was the only one five of the top six picks lost and baltimore was the only one to win yeah well, i guess so, you know indy didn't lose per se in the terms but if you're in a pool and yeah. you got advanced you're in a bad pool yeah no no yeah. It, it's a loss in survivor pools yes Agreement there. So, again, agreement on the Baltimore side to get us started. Ravens minus three and the hook at home. Let's keep things moving and go to another AFC East, AFC North affair in Cleveland as the Browns host the New York Jets. And we're seeing Cleveland laying six and the hook at home. A total in this game of thirty nine and a half. Obviously, very low total, but with good reason. When you consider the quarterbacks here, Joe Flacco and Jacoby Brissett. Alex, the big question, how many points is Brownie the Elf at the 50-yard line worth to this point spread? <laughs> that's got to be the talking point of the week, right? That's a, I think that's a <laughs> Not sure what else to talk about Browns Jets. No, that's probably the most riveting part of this game. I think that's an awesome-looking logo. I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't know the connection of... Brown yeah, I saw I'm something sure on Twitter. Some so you're called the Browns. Your primary color is orange. Your fan nickname is the Dog Pound, and you have an elf at midfield. <laughs> Not much makes sense in Cleveland, to be honest. No. But I do have to give a hat tip to the PR department. Clearly trying to distract away from the Watson stuff, which dominated the summer. Home opener. And it's like cute little Brownie the Elf. Like, how can you not, like, get behind it? Right. Like, how many things can we throw out in, like, misdirection to just not even think of Watson until whatever that is, week 12, where he conveniently comes back when they play the Texans in Houston. Yeah. NFL knows what they're doing. Yeah. As far as this game, though, I really have no interest. I mean... I think we talked a little bit about this on our spaces on uh, Sunday night where it's like 
well, you know, you're going to have pros come in and just hit the Jets until they cover because all oh, their numbers say this. And and I understand that. Um, I don't want to lay six and a half points with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, and I don't think I want to bet the New York Jets. So uh, I think I'll just move on and probably watch nothing of this game. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm leaning the Jets. I don't know if I'll get there. There are some trends to back these sort of spots. I saw one since 2014. Teams that lost by double digits in week one, they're 34-21 and one against the spread. In I think that speaks to kind of the sense. overreaction stuff we were exactly. talking about. You get these teams that get blown out, and then the line just kind of inflates a little. And another one I saw is that Week two underdogs that failed to cover by a touchdown or more in week one. They're 53-38-2 and two against the spread. That's 58.2% since 2005, which would be the Jets. But then you see Joe Flacco has been absolutely abysmal as of recent. 2-15 and 15 straight up. 6-11 and 11 against the spread in his last 17 starts. And then he's 0-6 straight up and 2-4 and against the spread with the Jets. I'm really not confident in either of these teams. I, I mean, I said I'd slightly lean the Jets, but it's really hard to back Flacco with these trends. And just, you know, he just looks – he looks pretty lifeless. They – had a couple of decent drives against the Ravens, but, you know, they mustered nine points. I would argue the Browns' defense is about similar as the Ravens. I mean, we're seeing a total of 39 and a half in some spots. It's very, very low, so you would think the six and a half would go a lot further, but I just, I just don't see the Jets really putting up much points. I don't believe in Flacco at all. I think the under could be a good look here, but yeah, I'll, I'll probably pass. This is this is not a game you want to be involved in. All right, let's go to the Motor City in the next game of the rotation. As the Lions are a short favorite for the first time in 24 games, the Detroit Lions are favored as they welcome in the Washington Commanders, albeit favored by the smallest of margins. Uh, well, I suppose you could be favored by half a point, but Detroit is a one-point home favorite right now on DraftKings. Total of 48.5. Alex, I think you said you were thinking Washington, and I, I do think there's maybe some intrigue a little bit on the basis that, like, we had Bram Weinstein on a radio show um, for the radio network I work for, and, um, you know, he said he thinks it's a good football team that maybe isn't getting as much attention on a national level on the basis that, you know, you think about the football team, or excuse me, the commanders now, and it's all bad stuff, right? It's Daniel Snyder. It's, uh, you know, what's Carson Wentz weird ass up to and things like that. And, you know, you look at the way they played last week. It wasn't great, but they were able to get it done. Uh, and offensively, they do have a little more to work with. I mean, Jahan Dotson, maybe we're talking about him in a few weeks as an early season Front runner is the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, you know, they pay Terry McLaurin. Uh, you know, believe it or not, Brian Robinson's like working his way back, which is crazy to think about. But it just feels like 
there's some skill players on this offense that are really uh, dangerous players. And, you know, the defense has kind of been the calling card, excuse me, for Washington the last few years, namely in that 2020 COVID season, NFC East Division Championship season. So all of that being said, I can't play the Commanders because I watched the Lions very closely last week against my Eagles. And there's a fight and a compete level and an effort that I really admire. And I think their offense actually did look pretty good. DeAndre Swift had a huge game. Now, he's been off the uh, – practice field most of the week so have to keep an eye on his status um but Detroit scored some points and I do think that that you know we talked a little bit about it last week how we were both I think leaning Lions against the Eagles the whole Dan Campbell bite kneecaps thing is weird but it has them playing hard and I think eventually these are the kind of games it works yeah and these are the kind of games that the Lions win so I don't really have a good feel for this, provided that they are able to kind of turn a corner in 2022 and go from two wins last year or three wins, whatever it was, to the six or seven that people probably project for them. This would be one of those that they would win. So I don't really have a good feel for this side. I'll stay away. But I think it's kind of intriguing. Washington could maybe be a sneaky playoff team in the NFC and Detroit. I think all year people are thinking, well, they might be able to make make some strides. So. Interested in it, just not going to bet it. Yeah, this is a sneaky, really interesting matchup. I think both these teams have playoff aspirations. Obviously, that's what you come in the season doing. But if Detroit wants to, you know, sniff the postseason, this is a game they absolutely need to have. Like you mentioned, first time they've been favored in 24 fucking games. that's outrageous. It's really hard to believe they couldn't have just like snuck snuck one random one in at home. It's been since 2020. I saw it was week 11 of 2020 against the Panthers and PJ Walker, and they got they got blown out. They they lost the game. <laughs> you mentioned uh, you mentioned Swift. He didn't practice today. Also, their starting center Ragnar. He didn't practice as well. I initially. Wanted to play the Commanders on the money line. I'm a lot higher on Wentz than most. I think the offense really has a ton of great weapons, but the defense leaves a lot to be desired, and they should be better. I know they're missing Chase Young, but still at corner, they still have some great talent, and they just don't look all that good. So that's primarily what's keeping me off the side. So I'm going to look to the over. I'm going to play the over at 40 and a half earlier today. I think both these offenses have plenty of skill position talent that there's going to be some scoring in this. We saw the the Lions really took it to the Eagles there late. And, you know, they ultimately covered, which was unbelievable to see. I was honestly, that was one of the more shocking results that they hung in there and actually covered that game. They look pretty out of it, but they were moving the ball fairly well. Washington scored enough, moved the ball well. Granted, that's a Jags defense that isn't the best, but yeah, I think both these offenses have plenty of weapons to to put up enough points. This this looks like a great over spot. 
Yeah, you know, I never really looked at it that way, but I think that's a good point you make about maybe Wentz being a little underrated even now. And uh, certainly Detroit, as I said, their offense moved the ball better than I expected last week. So uh, I think the over probably a better look than either side in this one. Let's move forward and go to an all AFC South affair where we do have another divisional home dog as the Baltimore Baltimore Colts, no, Indianapolis Colts, go to Duval to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Indianapolis laying three and a half, total of 45 and a half. Alex, this has kind of been a house of horrors for the Colts. They have not won in their last eight tries in Jacksonville. And, of course, most recently, the winner take, or the uh, winner goes to the playoffs. Well, not winner because Jacksonville didn't go to the playoffs, but – a win and in spot for Indianapolis last year, week 18, against the Jags, and the Colts go down there and lose. And you could certainly say <laughs> revenge spot for Indy, but haven't they all been revenge spots the last eight years they've gone down there? So I don't know. I think I lean with Jacksonville on the basis that divisional home dog, Jacksonville should have won against Washington last week. Uh, season long, that hasn't that loss didn't really change that how I feel about Jacksonville, which you know I think we hinted at a little bit last last week. I love the Doug Peterson hire, and I think that Jacksonville, I kind of get some Detroit vibes from them in terms of the AFC's version of a team that you know it's funny they both picked one two in the draft this year, Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson. And I look at Jacksonville the same way in terms of like, I don't think they're a playoff team this year, but I do think you leave the season thinking, okay, six, seven wins. There's some hope moving forward. And if that's the case, then they're probably competitive in this game at home against Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis, we were both on the Texans as a home dog last week. That was really no sweat from an ATS standpoint. And, you know, Obviously, the offense woke up and Matt Ryan started to get going in the second half against Houston, but still too early to really trust anything that they have going on with Matt Ryan in his late 30s there. I think it's it's still kind of a wait and see approach in terms of the offense. And, you know, anytime you're giving up more than a field goal, I think you want to be confident enough in the offense getting some easy points here or there. I can't say that about Indy. So it's a lean to Jacksonville for me. This is a pretty easy play for me, to be honest. I took Jacksonville plus four. See, it's down at three and a half. Open four and a half. I think I would still play the Jags at three and a half, three in the hook. Really like the Jags in this spot. Like you mentioned, the, the Jags just own the Colts at home. They're 12-1-1 against the spread in their past 14 meetings against the Colts. For whatever reason it is, the Colts just struggle in Jacksonville. Could it be the dome team going to the, you know, hot, humid outdoor stadium in Jacksonville, potentially? I don't imagine it's Jacksonville having much of a home field advantage. But for whatever reason is, they always play the Colts very competitive at home. I think this is an easy spot to take the four at home with Jacksonville. We love a home divisional dog. Really like what Peterson was doing. They should have won that game outright last week, probably. ETN dropping that 
that fourth down, that was a wide-open touchdown. He would have walked into the end zone, which was the difference in the game. Uh, I really like Jacksonville in this spot. I think it's an easy play. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really going to push back on that. Like I said, I leaned that way. And, um, you know, you're pretty confident that Jacksonville gets us to the window. So I'll certainly, uh, you know, I could see myself certainly joining come Sunday. So uh, strongly for me on the Jags and a play for Alex on the home dog getting more than three uh, in Duval, the Jags against the Colts. Let's go to another divisional game in New Orleans where we have another divisional home dog as the New Orleans Saints. Welcome in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the Superdome, and we're seeing Tampa Bay lay two and a half on the road, a total of 44 and a half. And I, I really like this spot for New Orleans, Alex. This was a team that I bet in the futures market to win the NFC South. And, you know, it was a survive in advance type win for them last week against Atlanta. But you're going to have those. Not all of them are going to be works of art. You're going to have to grind them out. And, that was week one. We know there's full motivation for all of these teams. And so the dogs get up for these games. And Atlanta came to play. The Saints grinded one out. And they got it done. And now I think they go back home. And Alex, I'm sorry, but I just disagree with the pricing here of Tampa Bay. I I, I think they're the favorites to win the NFC. And if we watched Tampa last week, I think it was just more bad Dallas than good Tampa. Yeah, the defense for Tampa was good. But Dak Prescott couldn't move the ball even before he got hurt. And Dallas, I mean, we'll get to them later, looked to be in complete disarray. So I don't, I didn't come away from that game thinking, wow, I'm really floored by Tampa. You know, they're really head and shoulders above the rest of the NFC. And so then I have to go back to why I think I like New Orleans more in the first place. And that's because, remember a year ago on Halloween, New Orleans beats the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the game in which Jameis Winston ends up tearing his ACL and goes out for the rest of the season. And ever since then, it was just a swinging saloon door of quarterbacks, Trevor Simeon, Ian Book, Taysom Hill. And despite that, the Saints still won nine games. And yes, I know that Sean Payton was the coach last year, and now it's Dennis Allen. But let's also remember that last year, one of the wins for the Saints came at Raymond James Stadium with Sean Payton out with COVID and Dennis Allen pitched a defensive masterpiece and the Saints shut out the Bucks 9-0. I don't see how that part of this changes here. I mean, this is why, again, I'm, I'm just wondering why the market is really pricing the Bucks as two and a half, three points better on the road against New Orleans, given the success head-to-head for the New Orleans Saints. I don't get it. I certainly think New Orleans is a good teaser like too. if you want to get them up over the seven. I think the defense for New Orleans, given the success against Tampa in years past, knowing that Tampa's has the offensive line concerns now, I don't see how the defense for New Orleans gives up a ton of points anyway. So if we're thinking points at a premium, that would make me obviously lean under in addition to liking a teaser leg possibility with New Orleans. But honestly, I don't even think I want those extra points. I think New Orleans wins this game outright. Uh, I got it at plus three earlier in the week, so I'm just going to hold on to that ticket and ride it out. But I think you can still be okay taking two and a half. And if you wanted to take some money line action, I think you're just fine there as well. Saints win this game outright and prove that they are the team to beat in the NFC South. I love it. I'm with everything you said. Bucks, they're one in seven. 
against the spread in their last eight against the Saints, and that includes Brady 0-4 against the spread against the Saints. Saints are 13-7 and against the spread in their last 20 as home underdogs. Really like the Saints in this spot. I took the two and a half. I think the money line's a good look. After you mentioned the teaser, I think I'm going to probably add the Saints in the teaser leg as well. I got to find it. A second pairing for that, but I really like the Saints in this spot. Everything you mentioned is spot on. For whatever reason, the bots they just struggle in New Orleans vitally. It doesn't matter who's quarterback. We see Brady struggle there as well. This is just a great spot. I think they're, you know, it's down to two and a half. I would have loved to have the three. I think it's probably down to two and a half because they're books they're they're desperate for bucks money they want a ton of bucks money coming in on this they want every money line parlay including the bucks right on the road divisional game right they want everyone laying the the two and a half or money line with the bucks all right let's keep moving forward as we have agreement there on another divisional home dog new orleans plus the short number we have another short line in the Meadowlands as the Carolina Panthers head to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York football Giants. Giants now down to a one-and-a-half-point favorite on DraftKings, total of 43-and-a-half. And this was a game we talked a little bit about throughout the week as one that we'd be interested in because, as we said, this is one, like a few others, we talked a little bit about you know Miami, maybe a little fat and happy. Well, does there is there a team that fits the fat and happy description more than the New York Giants. And let's be honest, the Giants, I heard this stat this week, crazy to think about, first time over 500 in six years. You know, so meaning obviously they lost their openers every year since and never even got over 500 the rest of those seasons. So as much as I love the decision from Brian Dable to go for two, and it did knock me out of my survivor contest, thank you very much. I did love the ballsy decision, though, on behalf of Brian Dable, because I think what that says is we're slashing through all the narratives. We're bucking all the trends. We're changing a culture here. We're starting anew in big blue. And they went ahead and upset last year's number one seed in the AFC. Good for you. But now how do you follow that up? And we've talked about the spot. It's a sleepy one for the Giants, and it's a Carolina team that woke up in the second half and nearly got us home. It looked like they might be able to, and, you know, obviously they ended up losing the game outright on a 58-yard field goal. So I do look at Carolina, and again, I'll go back to what I said last week. Matt Rule needs to start winning games on the hot seat. He's the favorite in the first coach fired market. Just because you have to win doesn't mean I like to bet on you because of that. But I do think that there's going to be a lot of urgency from Carolina and a little bit of, oh, we just won at Tennessee. Now we can show up and beat Carolina element of things for the Giants here. And I just don't trust the Giants to avoid that, you know, falling into that trap. I think that the Carolina Panthers, as a short road dog, are live and will win this game outright at MetLife Stadium. I'll take the Panthers. I'm with you. I'm on the Panthers' money line. I like this Ben McAdoo revenge game. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that. Coming back to New York. Big revenge spot there. We love a good revenge game. 
I just I don't think the Giants are that good. They didn't look great aside from a couple incredible plays, you know, that that run by Saquon and then that, that catch by Sterling Shepard. That was really what set them up to score. Aside from that, they looked pretty lifeless throughout the game. The Panthers really uh, had some heart there late. They sh- should have probably won that game. They had a great fourth quarter. They put up 17 points in the fourth quarter. They looked good down the stretch after, you know, an unconvincing first half. They turned it on. I think the Panthers have much better weapons. You also don't like Danny Dimes at home. And then especially, I mean, the Giants and Danny Dimes. Yeah, isn't this the opposite of the Danny Dimes spot we like? Like, he's good in that road dog, you know, four to seven point underdog range. And now he's a home favorite. Exactly. This, This couldn't be a worse spot for the Giants. We do not like Danny Dimes at home in general, and then as a home favorite, yeah, we love we love them on the road, you know, as a as a four to seven point favorite. I don't want anything to do with them at home as a favorite. I think the Panthers win this game outright. Agreement yet again on another short dog. Another short line is in Pittsburgh, where the Pittsburgh Steelers play their home opener after winning in Cincinnati last week. Pittsburgh is a two-point underdog, however, though, against the New England Patriots. Another low total here of just 40 and the hook. Alex, i got to be honest, uh, this is where I think if you want to, and I I say buy low, New England's still a road favorite here, but if you want to get in on the uh, overreaction angle, now's the time to do it. And, you know, we say this with all sports, no team's as bad as any one game or as good as any one game. And I think you maybe have both of those factors in play here. You have a New England team coming off of an embarrassing road loss by double digits against the Miami Dolphins. And you have a Pittsburgh team coming off of a galvanizing road win in the division against the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Put those two things together, and it would signify that the oddsmakers are onto something, installing New England as a short road favorite against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think you're going to see the New England defense really give Mitch Trubisky all he could handle, all he can handle. I think we'll get enough good plays out of Mac Jones in the New England offense. I don't think they'll be as lifeless as they were a week ago. Factor in TJ Watt and his first game out nursing that pectoral injury. I got to love New England here, minus the short number. It's probably a play for me, honestly. I'll take the Pats. Yeah, I, I don't blame you at all looking at that angle. As a Steelers fan, I don't I don't know if I can do it. I know I, I shouldn't be, you know, betting with my heart. I'm certainly not taking the Steelers this week. They looked absolutely abysmal on offense. We were honestly pretty lucky to get that, that cover and the outright win. I was shocking. I saw that the Steelers had 11 drives in regulation last week. Only one drive gained more than 32 yards. Offense just absolutely terrible. Offensive line struggles. They can't run the ball well. I was higher on Trubisky than most. Back to his days in Chicago, I thought he was a fairly serviceable quarterback when put in the right system with a great defense, which he has on the Steelers. But no Watt, 
is terrifying. He really makes or breaks that defense. I mean, his pressure creates so many opportunities for everyone else. Him being out is, is very, very scary. I think you have to play the Patriots here. But then again, you know, Mike Tomlin, home underdog. We love that spot. Just Tomlin right. as a dog in general. Since his first season, he's 37 and 33 outright as a dog. And then 44, 24 and two against his spread as an underdog. This is usually an auto spot for me, but with no lot and just how bad the defense is, or sorry, the offense is, Trubisky, I, I don't trust them to put up nearly enough points to be competitive. I think I would look to the under, if anything. And if I wasn't a fan, I'd be hammering the Patriots. I just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear you on some of the Tomlin stuff and how it's intriguing. But, you know, this is going to sound square, but Belichick really about to be 0-2? Like, I, I just just don't see it. Well, and with this number, they're they're begging for Steelers money. I know that everyone by now knows the Mike Tomlin underdog angle. Everyone knows this. But with such a short dog roll, I just I just don't see it. I think they could get blown out, but I also don't see this going over the total of forty. Can the can the Patriots really <laughs> put up enough points? I mean, I could easily see, you know, a twenty to thirteen, twenty to ten. This looks like a really sleepy sort of game. Forty and a half feels way too high. On we roll to the West Coast, where we have the Atlanta Falcons making the cross-country trip to SoFi Stadium to take on the L.A. Rams. And Atlanta is in a massive underdog spot as the Falcons are catching 10, total of 46 and a half. Alex, we talked about it last week. I didn't get there ultimately as one of our divisional home dogs was the Atlanta Falcons. Well, I don't know that I'll get there this week, but it's certainly a plug your nose side with Atlanta competitive for 40 or excuse me, for 60 minutes against the New Orleans Saints last week were the Falcons. Then conversely, you have the L.A. Rams who laid an egg on opening night and the Stafford elbow stuff continues to be something that we're all going to monitor as the season progresses. Don't know how you give up this many points with where the Rams were at. By the way, Jalen Ramsey got fried in that game, too, by Stephon Diggs. So it just wasn't a Rams night. And I'm not saying they don't get better here, but given they're trying to just kind of uh, manage things almost for Stafford, like, and I, I, I just don't know how high-powered, quick-striking this offense is going to be right out of the gates as evidenced by that week one opener. So because of that, again, I can't justify laying 10 points with, with the Rams. I just can't do it. So it's definitely Falcons or pass. I hate that. I love that. It's just so obvious that the Falcons are side, but it is Falcons or pass. Yeah, I'm plugging my nose. I'll take the Falcons. <laughs> I I hate it, but the Rams just have a lot of question marks. You, you know, they're 
really top heavy on defense. They have the the star power in Donald and Ramsey. Ramsey look like absolute dog shit. It's <laughs> kind of embarrassing, but granted, you know, Atlanta does not have anyone that is the caliber of Stefan Diggs, but still, that was that was pretty concerning. And you know, Ramsey's getting up there a little in age. This is kind of where corners start to fall off a little bit. So, wouldn't surprise me if you know he's kind of falling off a bit. But that being said, I think the offense is a bit more concerning. You know, Buffalo does have pretty solid defense. The secondary looked really good. But, I mean, the Rams, just Stafford did not look like himself. I was kind of concerned with that elbow going into the season, and now I'm even more concerned. Laying 10 like that with no home field advantage, you have to just plug your nose and take the Falcons here. All right, let's move forward and Kind of an interesting game here featuring, we just finished talking about the Rams. A pair of NFC West teams in the Bay Area on Sunday afternoon. In the late window, obviously. It's the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And Alex, we were, I don't know if you got there with me, but I plugged my nose on Monday Night Football and took Seattle and uh, was rewarded. And... Normally, after that kind of game, I would look at it and think fade, right? I mean, you have an emotional win like that on Monday Night Football against Russell Wilson. You know, kind of felt like the Super Bowl for Seattle. Now Jamal Adams is out for the year. But here we have another big favorite in a price range that just isn't warranted right now. I mean, we talked about last week, and I think you ultimately got there, Chicago being a plug-your-nose side against San Francisco. Well, Chicago won the game outright. So right now, I would tread very lightly betting the 49ers because what do we know about Trey Lance? He continues to be the man of mystery across the National Football League. And in this division where, you know, I still think we look at Arizona as a, a, a wild card contender. Maybe not. So maybe the NFC West isn't what it used to be if Arizona fades away and Seattle ends up just being the 5-6 win team people thought they'd be this year. But if you're San Francisco, do you really want to start the season with outright losses against Chicago and Seattle? And that's why that is all of the reason I say if Trey Lance is struggling – at half and say Seattle's ahead, is it possible that we even see Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half of this game? There's just still way too much uncertainty for me to give eight and a half points with the San Francisco 49ers right now. George Kittle still dinged up. Elijah Mitchell obviously just went on IR, and we know that historically under Shanahan, they've always been a committee team. Uh, Geno Smith, by the way, has covered nine straight games. He's been a, you know, he's kind of taking the cover goat title away from Teddy Bridgewater while Teddy backs up Tua down there in South Beach. So I I think I could see a path here for the Seahawks. It's the only side I could play, but I don't think I'm going to play this either because of the fact that, as I said, emotional game, they win, short week, on the road, no thanks. 
I'm going to pass this game. I think what you just said lends to the Niners. Short week on the road, off a very emotional game. That was the absolute ceiling of the Seahawks. And they were lucky to even cover. They probably shouldn't have even covered that game. Two fumbles on the one-yard line. First time since 1987 that that's happened. You know, assuming just normal circumstances, the Broncos probably punch both of those in, and they easily cover the game. And we're not talking about that Nathaniel Hackett hack job. What a fucking embarrassing call. You don't (laughs) pay this quarterback that much money. To take the ball out of his hands. But that being said, the Niners as home favorites under Kyle Shanahan, absolutely atrocious. Bad spot, yeah. Six and 16 and one against the spread. They're horrible at home in the home favorite. We love the Niners as dogs under Shanahan. But with that being said, I'm laying it. I, I think the, the Niners absolutely blow them out. And if no not, concerns here, huh? No, I'm 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 not worried. I I just think you have to trust you have to trust Trey Lance, which is you know it's kind of tough to say, but I'm <laughs> not ready to write write him off quite yet. And you know if this is not a spot that they blow them out, I mean the the Seahawks were getting moved all over the field. The Broncos looked. Really good moving the ball in the second half. I mean, they sh- they just couldn't score points. They sh- should have easily covered that game, and they lose outright because the NFL is weird, and that was just the absolute weirdest spot with Russ making his return. Now I think this Seattle team going on the road, it it couldn't be a worse spot for them. Like I said, this is the absolute ceiling is what we saw, and that was 17 points against a Denver defense that I think is not quite as good as the Niners. I don't see how the the Seahawks score, you know, remotely as well as they did. That was the perfect half by Geno Smith. I don't think that's going to be replicated. I'm going (laughs) to play it with the Niners. All right, well, uh, I'm going to wish you luck and abstain from this game, as you can always pass, and that's one of the nice things about sports betting. Let's move forward and go to a game in Big D where, while there's performance concerns perhaps for Trey Lance, health concerns surrounding the quarterback situation in Dallas as Dak Prescott will miss the first of Dr. Jerry Jones says only four weeks, you know, while the reporting was six to eight. So we'll see who wins out in that one but nonetheless the Cowboys is now a touchdown underdog as Cooper Rush will make the start against the Cincinnati Bengals and we're seeing a total of just 42 you know and this is another one where everything's telling me plug your nose Cooper Rush took the Cowboys up to Minneapolis last year and beat the Vikings uh, as I think about a seven point road dog Uh, you know so why couldn't they hang around at home here but I just don't like fading the Bengals off of that game last week when they really didn't play well at all and still almost won the game at the end. Uh, I can't expect Burrow to turn the ball over as much as he did. 
I just think that there could be some get right element here for the Bengals. It's super public, so I'm not laying the seven. Um, but that's why I'm not taking with Dallas. If Cincinnati had beaten Pittsburgh last year, last week, excuse me, I would have strongly considered Dallas in this spot. Uh, but I can't do it. Uh, I will uh, pass this game. What do you think here in Dallas? I'm going to pass as well. I definitely agree. It's taking a lot for me to pass this game and not just be an absolute square and lay it with the Bengals. <laughs> I don't I don't like laying a touchdown on the road. I don't care who's playing. It's still the NFL. Like you mentioned, we saw Ross go up to go up to Minnesota and win that game outright as sizable underdogs as well. And I know the line before the Dak injury was Dallas minus two. So is Dak really worth that many points? The offense looked pretty anemic before he even went out. Granted, that's against a, a better Tampa defense. I still I, I can't get there. I, I think if you had to look at this, I'd play the under. I, I think I might look at a defensive prop or two, maybe look at, you know, total sacks over, or maybe Micah Parsons to, to get a sack. At plus sure. Hopefully, I mean, Bengals had four new offensive linemen, and that really showed against Pittsburgh. That's probably the only reason that Pittsburgh won the game. I mean, obviously, the defense of them having a completely new O-line in week one really did not help them, didn't really play in the preseason much, so there's not too much consistency there. I think they'll have issues against Dallas's defensive line. I think the best way to look at this is under. And, yeah, if you can play defensive props, which I've seen on some markets, I'll, I'll probably play something like that, sacks over, Michael Parsons right. maybe to get a sack, something like that. I, I just don't really want a side or a total in this game. Yeah, I do agree that the Dallas defense is interesting. Uh, they're going to have to try and grind and stifle their way to a few wins along the way to weather the storm of no Dak Prescott. So curious to see how that plays itself out and how Dallas acquits itself against an offense that's obviously chock full of weapons with the Bengals. A couple more late games to get to before we hit the primetime window. And we do have another big spread in the Mile High City where we're seeing the Denver Broncos coming off of that aforementioned loss in Seattle. Well, the oddsmakers still like them, and why not? When you're playing the Texans, it's out to 10 on DraftKings. Total of 46. Get right here for the Broncos, Alex. I mean, we did see a Texas team that we both liked last week uh, nearly choke the game all the way and, and lose. They come out with we, high. We love the Texans. Is there we anyone do. higher on the Texans? I feel like last yeah, year. Yeah, we... maybe we'll, we'll have to look into filing adoption paperwork for the Texans. <laughs> right. um, because like it does feel like. I feel like we, maybe not we, but I definitely played them almost every single game. All right, well, I'll just spread. let you take the reins. Are you riding them plus the <laughs> 10? No, I'm not. With that being said, <laughs> but that's also why I don't want to want to lay double digits with the Broncos. Just short my affinity for the Texans. Short week as well. Great point. And I did see the Texans are 
four and one against the spread in their last five as double digit underdogs. Broncos, like we said in the the game talking about Seattle, they they easily should have covered that number. You know, if it wasn't for a few miscues that you haven't seen in decades, insane to be giving away those possessions on the goal line. If it wasn't for that, they easily win and cover. So my initial feeling is to take the Broncos, but I'm just I'm just so high on the Texans as dogs. Generally, we like them as home underdogs. This is a little scary of a spot. Houston, dome team, going up to the altitude. But, you know, Davis Mills we trust. This is going to be a, just a wait and see. I want to see what the Broncos do on offense. And I could see the, you know, Broncos. Right. Um, whatever. Yeah, I could certainly see the Broncos covering easily as well, but. I could also see the Broncos maybe being all season one of the league's bigger underachievers. So I would stay away uh, from this game for sure. Let's move on and go to Sin City where, Alex, this is one of the more intriguing numbers in my opinion because you look at Arizona going to Vegas, a five-and-a-half-point road dog against the Raiders are the Cardinals' total of 51 and the hook. So certainly one of the higher totals on the board. And you look at this and say, okay, well, both these teams won 10 games last year. They were wild card teams. Uh, and yeah, the game's in Vegas. But it just feels like the markets are down on the Cardinals. I mean, nearly a touchdown home dog last week against the Chiefs. Now nearly a touchdown road dog against a Raiders team that, you know, they were probably power rated pretty similar to by a lot of sharps as last season played itself out. Again, they continue to wait on DeAndre Hopkins. I, having said that, I can't argue with the Raiders being the, the better team here and probably the side. I'm not going to lay the five and a half uh, because the number is a little quirky as I just ran through there when it comes to just the overall talent that we think both these teams have on their rosters is it really a five and a half point difference in terms of a point spread I'm not sure but I do like the Raiders roster more I'm high on the Raiders I think they are and I don't know about Josh McDaniels I think he could certainly hold them back but I think they're kind of the sleeping giant in the AFC West while we just watched the Chargers and Chiefs go at it if it weren't for Derek Carr and the, the interceptions he threw last week the Raiders probably win on the road at SoFi last week. So that has me thinking Raiders team total over is interesting on the basis that they probably should have scored more than 19 against the Chargers, and they're facing a worse defense here in Arizona that just got torched by Patrick Mahomes and company. So if I had to play this game, I'd look at the Raiders team total over, but I don't think I'm going to take anything in Raiders Cardinals. I think you could also argue that the Chargers should have probably won that game tonight. So seeing that this. So does that make is, the Raiders look better? Yeah, exactly. So does that make the Raiders look better? So does that make this line feel a little inflated? I agree. I can't quite get there with either side. I did see an interesting trend that. 
The Cardinals are 17-7-1 against a spread on the road under Cliff Kingsbury. I know we love this shit on Cliff <laughs> on this pod. I, I don't think he's a very good coach. So it's kind of hard to take them at this number. I really don't want much to do with either side. The total feels a little inflated, 51.5. I think I would look to an under, but after seeing that demolishment last week, I'm not confident at all in this Cardinals defense. And just kind of makes me wonder, like, how many points is DeAndre Hopkins worth against the spread? Because I think yeah. if he's going, I, I just don't see this being such a high number. But, you know, maybe this speaks to the, the Cardinals just getting completely blown out. And then yeah, I, mean, I think Alex – to your point, like Arizona, like it's weird. Like as I said, they were a playoff team last year, but I just don't want a piece of them at all right now. No, I don't either. It's it's very weird, and I completely agree. I'm just I'm not running to back this team at all, and I don't even think it really has to do with Hopkins being out. Even if he's in the game, I I don't think I would be running to back the Cardinals right now on the road. I think Raiders have the Pretty solid home field there in Vegas. They got some of the rowdier fans you'll see. I think I would probably look to your your team total, if anything. I, I really don't want to lay this with either team. All right, let's keep things moving. Go to Sunday night football. All my fucking life, I own you. As that's right, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> what a legend. Yeah, he meets the Chicago Bears, the two-time reigning National Football League MVP, hosting the Bears, a a nine-and-a-half point favorite, a total of 41-and-a-half. The Packers coming off of an embarrassing road loss against the Minnesota Vikings. Who was on Minnesota? I think it might have been us. I don't know, though. Um, And here are the Bears coming off of a win. In suboptimal conditions at Soldier Field last week, we talk about overreactions and not that anybody's thinking the Bears are good or the Packers are bad, but it sure feels like a good get-right spot for the Packers against a team that, as I said, they have owned. Alex, this may be the spot where we do lay the lumber because I got to be honest, usually with big favorites, we worry about motivation focus or are they even playing up to the standard of a double digit favorite you know I, I think we have those concerns with Denver a little bit with the Rams right now you know some of these other big favorites this week um and I think that the Packers we just know I think are going to come out at least they should really fired up and you know, eager to get that sour taste out of their mouths. Maybe that's more of a first half angle. It's rare, though, that I actually like a favorite this big in the NFL, but I think you have to like the Packers. What do you say here? I definitely don't disagree. Like you said, Rodgers absolutely owns the Bears. He said it himself. He's 23-5 and five straight up and 21-7 and seven against the spread. Versus the Bears. It's just really tough to bet against the Packers in this spot. I'm, 
I'm just a little weary about their offensive line concerns, some injuries, and then just the skill positions. Last week, they just did not look great. We saw that drop pass at the very beginning of the game. Rodgers looked distraught. But if anyone's going to get right, it's the Packers. I mean, the Bears, they shouldn't have scored that many points. It was a, it was a fucking monsoon. They got two very, very fluky touchdowns. I don't see that in decent conditions. Like, usually, when you see a total this low, I'm seeing 41 and a half. That makes me want to take the dog because points are just way more valuable with such a low total. But can the Bears really score? Can they move the ball well? They're going to lean on Montgomery a ton. I don't see them running the ball well. And I, I, I'm down on fields. I do not trust him whatsoever. If there's going to be a team that we're laying the points like this, it's going to be the Packers at home. Come Sunday night, I think I'll probably get there. I'll probably play it. I'm a little... A little off right now, but you know, come come Sunday, I'll probably play. On we roll to a. By the way, before we get into the games, is this not just like really weird where we have a pair of Monday night games only ninety minutes spot. apart? It makes it makes zero sense. The game's not going to be over. I don't I don't understand this at all. I understood when they would do, you know, one East Coast game, one West Coast game when they stack. And that was always week one, week two. Right. So they're doing something different, and this this makes absolutely no sense. The games are going to overlap. It's going to be very weird. Like, are, they're both on ESPN. Are you going to, you know, watch the end of this Bills Titans game, or are you going to watch the beginning of the Vikings equals? I I don't get it at all. Well, uh, let's just talk a little bit about these numbers as we see Tennessee catching ten in Western New York and a total of forty eight. Alex. Gotta be talk honest, about overreaction. Yeah, exactly. We talk about overreactions in the marketplace in week two. And this may be one of the bigger overreactions. When you look at a Tennessee team that, as I talked about earlier in the pod with the Giants making that big statement win in Nashville against the reigning number one seed last year from the AFC. Now you see that team catching 10 points against the Buffalo Bills. We know Buffalo is going to be a very public team all season. And Buffalo nationally televised opener blows out the reigning champion LA Rams. That means if that had been a tight game, maybe the Rams won. This number might be more like seven in my opinion. And, you know, say the Rams won against the bills and then the Titans won against the giants. Where's this number at? It just feels like we're getting pure value here out to 10 with the Tennessee Titans. Of course, it's always possible that the Bills boat race Tennessee as well, and the hype train just continues to go further down the tracks. But I do think Tennessee, listen, Mike Vrabel, coach of the year last year, too much respect for him and for his football team to lay down here. Monday night game, I'll be on the dog. I'll take those 10 points with Tennessee. I'll be joining you. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the ten. Vrabel is a really good coach as an underdog. I saw a trend that Vrabel as an underdog of a field goal or more 
He's 19 and 9 straight up and then 20 and 8 against the spread. Getting double digits here, it feels like a complete overreaction. You mentioned the, the Bills, very convincing win. Titans lost as a home favorite, five and a half points against the Giants. They just kind of gave that game away. It was two fluke plays, you know, not fluke, but two two big plays that really got the, the Giants in scoring position. I, I don't put too much stock into that. I think the Titans are better than this number says. I I think you got to take the plus 10. So let's wrap things up with Minnesota and Philadelphia. Two really interesting teams early in the season in the NFC, as I think the Eagles are up to the second shortest odds to win the NFC, which just speaks to how open the conference is this year. Um, and Minnesota, a team that made a big statement on week one at home, particularly with how well the defense played against Aaron Rodgers and company. We know the offense is going to score points. An offensive-minded head coach comes in and Kevin O'Connell inheriting the weapons that he is inheriting. They're going to put up points. And the defense uh, was really impressive for the Purple People leaders last week against the Green Bay Packers. And defense was a problem for the Eagles, allowing the Lions to sneak through and get a late cover in that game. And DeAndre Swift had a massive game. This just feels like, uh, you know, Minnesota has square dog written all over it. When you look at how impressive Minnesota was last week, how bad the Eagles defense was last week against the Detroit Lions. And now you see Minnesota catching two points, a total of 50 and a half. I think I talked to you earlier in the week, Alex, about how I think this is an interesting contrarian underplay. If you wanted to bet on Philadelphia's defense, to be a little bit better, given that Minnesota's defense already did play pretty well last week. You could certainly sell me on that. But I do also think the Eagles minus the deuce is interesting as well. While we certainly want to sing the praises of the Minnesota offense, that Eagles offense looked pretty good last week as well. Jalen Hurts was outstanding in the Motor City and A.J. Brown with a tremendous debut in Eagle Green. You think you figure Devontae Smith gets going a little bit more. Eagles also got rushing touchdowns from Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, and Miles Sanders. Their offense was humming, so it's not like they can score. You know, it's not like they're going to be held at bay uh, from a scoring perspective. So, I think Philadelphia as a short home favorite is pretty interesting. The link is going to be rocking for Monday Night Football home opener for the Birds. Uh, so, for me, as much as I just finished talking about those offenses, I also said. It's an interesting, maybe contrarian underlook, but that's more of a bet on the Eagles defense playing a little bit better. So you could really talk to me on either one of those plays. If you wanted to go under 50 and a half or Eagles minus two, I would hear you on both cases. I'm going to be playing both. I'm I'm taking the Eagles. You agree, Minnesota square dog? Absolutely. I think probably the, the squarest dog of the week. After these performances, saw the Eagles' defense really not not show up that well in the second half. They let Detroit get back in the game. And you just think on paper, this looked like one of the better defenses. So I'm going to expect them to bounce back, especially at home. And then the primetime Kirk Cousins spot. Yeah, A lot of people, you got to know this trend by now. He's he's really not great. He's one of the better quarterbacks at 1 p.m. And then put him under the lights 
and he just absolutely melts. He's two and nine outright and against a spread on Monday night football. Granted, his last two games he's covered and won. So trending up, but he's still 0-6 against the spread <laughs> as an underdog on Monday Night Football. There's something to be said here about just under the lights and then on the road as well. I really like the Eagles in this spot, and I think the under is a good look. Primetime unders so far this season are 4-0. and I think this is a good under spot. I really like the Eagles. I think the Eagles are one of the stronger plays this week. Yeah, this has... This has Trendy Dog written all over it. We saw that Vikings offense get off to a hot start. I think the Eagles defense is going to absolutely bounce back. I think they easily can cover this game, and I think the under is a good spot. Maybe a first half under look instead of full game, you know, just prime time. Come out a little yeah. slow, a little, little shook up on the road with that, that crowd at the link going crazy. I really like the Eagles here. I'll probably ultimately play the first half under, but I'm definitely in the minus two with the Eagles. Certainly a good look for sure. And Alex, uh, I, I would love to uh, speak a little more about that, but given our recording internet connection, uh, let, it's probably a good idea just to wrap things up and uh, get to bed, right? <laughs> yeah, it's been a little tumultuous. Back and forth, we're like Andy Dufresne. In the Shawshank Redemption, crawling through a bunch of shit, <laughs> but we're gonna come out clean on the other side and cash yeah, we a bunch got winners of again. This is definitely winners. Feels right. like a bunch of winners. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven and manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. I'm Greg Frank at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. Alex, thanks a lot, my man, and uh, we'll certainly be talking. Yeah, buddy. Best of luck uh, this week. All righty. And again, we want to appreciate everybody for hanging with us and tuning in to another edition of Full Slate. Enjoy week two in the National Football League. And of course, please play responsibly.